Ephesians chapter 3. One of the things I learned when I was in school was about icebergs. If you look at an iceberg as it floats in the water, you see the top part, but there's a, a huge, vast part underneath the water that you don't see. Uh, when I came to Christ uh, years ago, I saw the, the top above the water. Uh, salvation, uh, knowing Christ was just a wonderful thing. Uh, it's just such a, such a blessing to my life. Uh, but I hadn't seen anything yet. <laughs> Underneath, just what I saw at, at the beginning of my Christian walk was just this huge, vast sea of blessing that God brings to us through Jesus Christ. And we need to receive those blessings that Christ has given to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul was in prison. As he wrote this letter to the Ephesians, he was writing from a prison cell. Uh, you might be discouraged if you're in prison. You might uh, be frustrated. You might have all different kinds of emotions going on as you write from a prison cell. But you don't see those things expressed in what Paul is writing. Instead, you see him writing from a place of victory. You see, because of what Jesus did, Paul's life had been changed. He, he had come to know the risen Jesus Christ, and not only had he become a, a, a child of God, he had become a servant of God, and he recognized the great blessing that there was being a part of God's great work. He also had received the Spirit of God uh, called the Comforter. And so this comfort of the Holy Spirit of God had come to live with him so that he could have hope in the middle of his circumstances that were difficult. Uh, I want to talk to you about receiving gracious gifts. We need to receive the gracious gifts that God has given us through Jesus Christ, just as Paul did. Uh, look with me at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. This mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight about the mystery of the Messiah. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah and to shed light about all of the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so God's multifaceted wisdom may now be known uh, through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in the Messiah, Jesus our Lord. 
In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his Spirit. And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Receiving gracious gifts. What should we receive? Well, the first thing I want you to see is we need to receive his salvation. His salvation. He says in verse 2, you, you have heard, haven't you, about the ministration of God's grace that he has given to me for you. This mystery was made known to me by revelation. Now, he's speaking uh, about the mystery of Christ being in us. In the book of Colossians, which is another one of the prison epistles, he says this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God himself comes to live within them and dwells within them. It's a great mystery. How this could take place for a holy, righteous, pure, spotless God who is sovereign above the heavens, how a God like that could commune and have a relationship with human beings who are sinful and broken is, a, is an amazing mystery, but it's a mystery that has been revealed. It was accomplished through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. He was born of a virgin girl named Mary, lived a perfect life, died on a cross to bear the penalty for sin for you and for me. Every idle word that we've spoken, every sinful, wicked, lustful thought uh, we've ever had, every act of sin, everything we've failed to do that we should have done. Uh, Jesus died for it all. He paid the price in full, and he said, it is finished. The price has been paid. He took the wrath of God upon himself. He satisfied the justice of God upon himself. And fully paid the price. And the Bible says that three days later, he rose up from the dead. Now, some of you have come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's been a time in your life where you surrendered your heart to Christ. And you put your trust in him. You received the gift of salvation. Some of you may need to do that today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a few minutes. Uh, such a great thing to do. But can I tell you, if you have made this decision, yes, it's a wonderful thing, it's a wonderful gift that God has given you, but 
you have just gotten the first fruits of it. There is so much more that God wants to give you throughout your Christian life. What is this mystery? This mystery of the gospel. His death and his resurrection. Not only do they provide salvation from sin, they provide freedom from sin. Romans 6 says that we've died with Christ to sin. We've been raised to walk in righteousness. That resurrection power is available to help you have victory over sin in your life. But it doesn't stop there. Not only has he given power for victory over sin, he's also given power for victory over your emotions. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that, he said, we, we came to the place in our ministry that we despaired even of life. But this was so that we might know that there is a God who raises the dead. He said, I felt like I was dead inside. I, I was at the end of my emotional capacity. I, I had come to my limits. But then when I found I was at my limits, I found Jesus was able to come where I was and lift me up out of it through the power of the resurrection. He came to give us victory over our emotion. He came to give us victory over discouragement, over anxiety. What a wonderful blessing to be able to cast our cares upon him and have him lift us up. And encourage us and give us peace. Jesus' resurrection touches every area of our lives. I think of the broken relationships between Jesus and his siblings. The Gospels tell us that when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, uh, they were so busy they didn't even have time to eat sometimes. There's so many needs and things that they were doing, uh, trying, to, trying to meet needs. And uh, his family came and they said, he is out of his mind. He's crazy. Jesus has just lost it. But something happened after the resurrection. When they met Jesus raised from the dead, their lives would never be the same. Now we have two books of the Bible written by two of the brothers of Jesus, Jude and James. James became the pastor of the Jerusalem church there in that first century, shortly after Jesus was raised from the dead. Can I, I tell you, Jesus' resurrection changes everything. There's no situation that you can face in your life that Jesus can't give you victory over. I, I remember Peter and John uh, going and, and preaching the gospel and being persecuted. They were thrown into jail. And, and the Bible says that they rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. They'd been beaten. They'd been put in jail. They got out and they said, okay, we've, we've got trouble. They're, the Jewish leadership is coming against us and trying to stop us. If they were like us, they would have said, now let's stop. But that's not what they said. They said, let's pray for boldness. And what did God do? God came. I'd imagine I'd be a little bit afraid. If I'd been beaten and put in jail and told not to preach the gospel. There's some people in our nation today that are telling preachers not to preach the truth. I'm going to tell you something. 
God can come where you are in your fear and can lift you up. And the Bible says as they prayed, the place was shaken. And they all spoke the word of God with great boldness. Paul was shipwrecked, put in prison, left for dead after being stoned. Uh, went through all these different things. And, and he said at one point, he came to this point in his life, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, Paul said, no, no matter what may come my way, if they persecute me, they put treasure in heaven for me. If they kill me, they promote me to glory. That's the power of the resurrection. Can I tell you, you're a child of God. You have the very power of the resurrection in you. Wherever you are, whatever you face, put your trust in him. Receive your salvation. Did you know you have been saved if you put your trust in Christ? You are being saved. You're receiving the benefits of those salvation. And you will be saved when, one day when Jesus comes back. One day we get to receive the full blessing. Won't that be amazing? Receive your salvation. So, receiving God's gracious gifts, what should we receive? First of all, we need to receive his salvation. Secondly, we need to receive his service. His servants. Look at verse 7. Paul says, I was made a servant of this gospel, the good news of salvation, by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Paul said, God created me for a purpose. He saved me, and now he has given me a place of service to fulfill the purpose for which he has created me. In chapter 2, he says, uh, we are God's workmanship. And the, the Greek word means we are the result of what God has done. So that we may do good works which God has prepared for us in advance for us to do. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I've thought about my service as worship to God, and, and it is worship. But I don't often think about service as the gift of God. Have you ever been discouraged in your service? Have you ever grumbled and complained in your service and maybe felt unappreciated? Or uh, maybe you uh, just were tired of it. You know, what? Here, yeah, got to go again, got to do this again. You know, and, and you just, just weren't, your heart wasn't in it. It's so easy to forget that God gives us service as a gift. It's a gift of his grace. What you do, no matter what it is, from, from washing a dish in the kitchen to, to vacuuming a floor to, to putting a book in the library to to witnessing on Monday night, whatever it is that you do, encouraging a brother, showing mercy to somebody who's sorry, whatever it is, it is a gift of God's grace to you to be a part of it. You get to be a part of his eternal work. Now, I don't think I have the mental capacity to truly understand the greatness of God's plan. It is a great plan. 
his, his purpose goes forward. It's amazing to me. The Bible is one of the most attacked books. Uh, Christianity is the most attacked religion. But somehow, in the middle of all of it, God's purpose continues to go forward. Isn't it amazing? It's, it's, it's touched by the supernatural power of God. But guess what? You and I, in whatever it is that we do, we are a part of God's eternal plan. We get to have a role in that. And we make a difference in the lives of people for eternity. I think of our children's workers as they uh, take care of our kids and minister to them, and, and these kids come to Christ. What, isn't that exciting? Their lives are changed forever. Somebody makes those cookies for the kids at Vacation Bible School. Uh, or we sing and worship, and, and the Holy Spirit of God comes down and, and touches somebody's heart, and they're changed forever. We get to be a part of God's And not only does God give us a role, but he gives us the empowerment to fulfill that role. Verse 7, he says, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. What is it that distinguishes between just an act of service for someone else and an act of service that is used by God? I think the difference is in the power that God gives us to do that service. Um, I heard a story one time of a missionary. They'd gone to this country where uh, she was a medical missionary, and and, uh, they were told that they could work on these people and and minister to them, but couldn't speak to them about the gospel unless they were asked. And so uh, They made up their minds. They asked God, Lord, help people to see Jesus in us as we minister to them. So that they will begin to ask questions. And um, one day, this lady was ministering to this woman. And she said, she was talking to the woman. And the woman said, what is it that's different about you? She said, you've got loving hands. There's something different about you. And she was able then to share Christ with that lady. And um, I think that's what this is talking about. There's there's a difference. When somebody does ministry in God's strength, there's something something that God can use to touch people. Um, Have you ever done ministry grudgingly with a bad attitude? It's better than not doing it at all. Okay? (laughs) We... We're glad, you, we're glad you served. Some of you are discouraged. You're thinking, buddy, I, uh, hey, yeah, take what you can get, preacher. Uh, you know, I, but I'm glad you served, okay? But let me say this. What could God do through us if we served in his strength? And we let his life flow through us to, to other people, to minister to other people. I, there, there's no telling what God could do through us as we walk and live in his strength. We're called to his service. What does Paul say the result of his being called to God's service is? He says it's to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah. Verse 9, to shed light about this mystery. We have the privilege to tell people what was hidden from ages past. Did you know the Bible says the prophets longed to see 
and understand what we see and understand. They, they had hints of it. They had uh, pictures of it. They had, you know, kind of all around it, but they didn't really know how it all fit together, and they longed to understand it. But when Jesus came, the mystery was made known. Now we have the privilege of knowing that and also of sharing that with other people, seeing God do a work in their lives. So he says, I, I, I shed that light. Let your light shine. Uh, look at verse 10. So God's multifaceted wisdom may be, now be known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heaven. The Bible says that angels long to look into the things that, that we have as believers. And when God's people, yes, there's a whole lot wrong with the church, okay? There, in our nation, in, there's a whole lot. But can I tell you, when God's people live God's way and the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, makes a difference. And what happens is when we begin to fulfill God's plan as a people of God, the world sees Jesus in us. But not just the world, the angels. I don't know if you ever thought about that. The angels are watching what happens in our church. And when we do things God's way, and when we love each other the way God calls us to love each other, and we serve each other the way God calls us to serve, the angels watch in rapt attention, and the glory of God is revealed through His church. He's given us the privilege to serve. Receive that privilege. Receive his salvation, receive his service, and finally receive his spirit. Now, I believe that if you are a child of God, the spirit of God comes to live within you the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the Bible also tells us that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a continuous thing that should be a part of our life and as we receive His Spirit in this way of being filled with Him on a regular basis, God does some amazing things. Look at verse 14. Paul is praying. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and I, and I pray that He may grant you this gift, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man, through His Spirit. Now, something happens when you are filled with the Spirit. There's a strength that you have that you don't normally have. Um, when you are walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit, temptations lose the strength they once had. When you are walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit, God begins to speak through you as you share with others. I remember when I was in Texas, uh, we were doing an evangelism thing, not exactly the same thing we're doing here, but um, I went out with this fellow named Tim Steinhilber, and uh, he and I had gone, and, and we, were, we stopped at a house, and we began to share, and, and it was his turn to share. And he began to explain the gospel to her, and... Uh, 
I was just praying for him while he was sharing. And, and, but we, we got into the car afterwards, and he said, something happened. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I was, when I was talking to her, I just felt like it just started flowing. It just started coming out easy, and I, 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 it, was, it was different. I, I don't know. It's, it's something was happening. I said, well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit, Tim. The Holy Spirit was speaking through you. He was using you. And he was so excited about it. He was pumped up and charged about that. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God just came in the middle of a situation. There have been times when, when I have I, I've been, Lord, how do I minister? I, I, I can't minister. God, I'm at the end of myself emotionally. Have you ever been there? You're just kind of drained. God, would you please minister to these people through me? And somehow when I, when I begin to talk to him, God just comes down and begins to minister through me. Um, some of you have experienced God working in your heart. You've experienced the Holy Spirit maybe convicting you or, or prompting you. Um, the Holy Spirit loves to work through God's people. Invite him to do so. Receive that filling of the Holy Spirit. You know what Luke says? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? It's a promise. So if you're a child of God and you ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit with a surrendered heart, God will answer that prayer every time. And, and by the way, just filling of the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean you have goosebumps. Okay, I, I used to hear people give testimonies. Well, unless you got the goosebumps, you're not a Christian. Where does it say that in the Bible? Okay? It's, not, it's not just an experience. It's you receive it by faith. You receive the Holy Spirit. You receive Him into your life by faith, and you trust that He will work through you, and you're responsive to Him, and He will use you. So it's not so much an experience. You are receiving the filling of the Holy Spirit based upon the promise of God. The Holy Spirit is kind of like wind. You'll see the effect of it. You may you may not be able to see the Holy Spirit, but you can see what He does. So He says that you will be strengthened through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18, so that you may be able to comprehend, or literally that Greek word means to take hold of. It can mean take hold of with your intellect, but I think it is being used in a more general sense to take hold of the length, width, height, and depth. The words of God's love are supplied uh, for the sake of clarity and translation because there's love. He talks about love before and love afterwards to kind of make sense of the sentence. But in Greek, there's no, it's not of God's love. I think what he's saying is you want to receive the length, the breadth, the height, the width, all of it, of what God has for you. How do you do that? You take hold of it through the power of the Spirit of God. He reveals God's truth to you. He helps you receive the things that God has for you. He helps you, verse 19, to know, here's where love comes in, to know the Messiah's love, Christ's love, that surpasses knowledge. I believe that talks about knowing it experientially. The Holy Spirit of God communicates the presence of Jesus to our lives. And he also glorifies God, verse 21 says. All of this is to glorify God. 
Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He's able to accomplish things through us. All of it is to the glory of God. Now, the Holy Spirit of God is God's gift to us. We need to receive it, take advantage of it. Take advantage of him would be a better way to say it. He's a person. And let him live his life through us to God's glory. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is able to do more than we can ask or think. Have you ever thought about that? I remember when Megan was little, uh, we used, at Christmas time we would say, okay, you need to make a Christmas list for us. And we would tell them, now you're not probably going to get everything on your list. But Megan was a great Christmas list writer. And she would, every time a commercial came on, ooh, where's my Christmas list? And she'd go write it down. She, her list went on and on and on and on. She was imagining what she could get at Christmas. She was anticipating it. She was probably praying for it. I mean, she was, I mean, it was, uh, she had the imagination of a child. But can I tell you something? God says, I can do more than you can ask or imagine. Meditate on that a little while. What could God do through your life? What thing is in your life that you think is impossible? It's not impossible to God. He's the one who put the stars in space. He's the one who tells them where to go. I'll, the scripture we were looking at uh, in Job on Wednesday nights, God stretches out the universe. By the way, God knew he was stretching before the scientists ever did. He stretches out the universe by his power. That's the God we serve. Our problems don't make him break into a sweat. Receive the Spirit. Let him live through you. Let him pray through you. Let him empower you to do the things that God's called you to do. Receiving God's gracious gifts, his salvation, his service, and his spirit. Enjoy the riches of what God has given you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the great, awesome blessings that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the illuminating work of your spirit. Thank you for the blessings of salvation. Father, help us receive these things into our lives in their full measure. And Father, for those who are here today that don't know.